And this is something that I've tried to internalize. I think that we can find, you know, redeeming qualities or something good in almost everything, but that doesn't mean everything, you know, something is perfect or something can't be improved. And it's, you know, it's this weird kind of line that we walk in that, yes, we're doing the best we can. And yes, we want to make it better, but we also have to be open to the fact that it's not better yet. Welcome to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 39. Imagine a world where your favorite TV or movie characters decide to invade the real world. Today's guest's latest work takes that concept and runs with it. My guest today is a writer and creator of the vampire comic Diary of Night and contributor to the Always Punched Nazis anthology. His latest work, Crossover Division, features a pair of librarians trying to save the world when fictional stories come to life. You can support Crossover Division by visiting crossoverdivision.com KS. I'd like to introduce Will Allred. Will, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Well, the first thing we're going to do, like I ask all my guests, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you and how did you get to be here today? Um, well, that's uh, a long, boring story, but I'll try to summarize it. Uh, it's uh, I kind of took a weird track to writing comics. Comics have always been kind of central part of my life. Uh, they just always have. Growing up in rural Arkansas, comics were kind of that escape and that uh, time to read and just, you know, explore the universe of, of fiction, which was awesome. After I did a little writing uh, in college, and then I did some writing on the comics press side for like Newsarama, comics resources and, you know, things like that. And then I uh, decided I finally wanted to do, you know, write an actual comic. And so I sat down to write Diary of Night. I did the first issue found a wonderful artist, uh, Gene Gonzalez, who did penciled, inked, and colored the entire series. After the first issue was done, we kind of reworked it a little bit, and then I wrote the next four. So we did you know, a four-issue series that was published with Bloodfire. Uh, after that, I took a little bit of a break. Uh, I'm one of these weird people that keeps going to school. I guess I like homework. I don't know what it is, but uh, I got my master's in English back uh, several years ago, and then I told, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not, I finished my, you know, my thesis. I'm, I'm done. I think six months later, I'd started the PhD program. So <laughs> I uh, got my PhD in English that kind of derailed a lot of the comic writing for, for several years. And once that was done, I kind of, I got back into it. I did the comics experience uh, writing class. I wanted to see, I certainly don't know everything about 
writing comics and it, it was a really nice refresher to see that I was kind of on the right path. And I did learn a lot in the class too. That was with uh, Andy Schmidt at Comic Experience. And uh, from then on, it's just been, you know, writing, trying to find artists, which is really a difficult thing, I think, for writers in general and definitely for me. Uh, and uh, that's kind of where Crossover Division, I remember running it through the uh, the uh, creators forum over on Comics Experience and getting some feedback from a couple editors and from other creators over there. And then uh, I was lucky enough last year to find uh, Pablo Martinena, who's the artist on uh, Crossover Division. He pencils, inks, and colors. Uh, I then, because I knew, I'd also taken a lettering class, and I know how important good lettering is. Uh, like I've told anybody that'll listen, I have lettered a few things. I'm not a letterer. Uh, it's a skill and an art that I can do functionally, <laughs> but not well. So uh, through the Comics Launch group, uh, I've met you, of course, met you and, and lots of other creators, but uh, Brant Fowler is our letterer and designer. Uh, and he does, also does The Last Ember and a few other books from Last Ember Press. And so we were on board really, you know, to get the project going. And one of the, I think, the best decisions I made was to work with an editor. And for a couple of reasons. One, I'm my head is so in the story that it's hard for me to see, you know, because I, I know everything about the story, right? What do I reveal? What am I, am I revealing too much? Am I not revealing enough? Because I know it, right? Um, but working with an editor, I think, has really focused the story and sharpened it and made me a better writer. But working with an editor also was my, what's the best way to say this? The, the, the entire team is depending on me, right, to do the best job that I can. So working with an editor was my way of trying to, to do that best job that I could. And I'm working with, I worked with a couple of editors. Jim Gibbons helped me on the initial pitch and the first uh, eight-page kind of preview story that we did called No Place Like Home. And then uh, we're working with Hassan Osman Elhouse, who is, and I never get tired of saying this because someone on my team is an Eisner award-winning creator. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's just great. But uh, he's the editor on the book and he is amazing to work with. If you read panel by panel, you see just how analytical and downright sharp he is. So it's just wonderful to work with these guys. This is an awesome team. And that's great. That's one of the great things I love about this project. And one of the great things I love about working on comics, I mean, you know, doing the, some of those other anthologies and everything, you get to work with other creators. That's comics is about, you know, collaboration. And I just love it. Absolutely love it. I want to do a deep dive into crossover division in just a little bit. Uh, but before that, I want to talk a little bit about some of your previous work. Okay. Uh, give us the quick pitch for Diary of Night, and let's talk about it a little. Okay. Uh, Diary is, uh, she is a 900-year-old vampire who walks the line between humans and vampires, protecting each of them from the worst of the other. She's never been hunted until the beginning of this series. Somebody is after her. And it, it's, it was really a lot of fun. When I came at it, it's... It's not so much a horror book because I don't feel like horror is one of those genres that just really resonates with me. So this book is, I consider it more of a dark adventure. I was more interested in, you know, what would you do with eternity? You know, if you, if you were going to live forever, what would you do? And it was important to me that Catherine is, is the main character. She decided that she wanted to help people. 
that's how she lives her life. So, you know, she built these uh, organizations to help, you know, vamp, you know, new people who have just become vampires. Again, she's kind of tough and she also makes sure that, you know, there's just no, there's violence inherent in the vampire concept, right? You know, it's about blood. Uh, so having her try to protect not only her people, but also humans, you know, from each other, I thought was a really kind of a neat idea for someone who is, you know, a vampire. It was a really fun book to write. There's, I know I, lots of writers talk about this, but there's a, there's a moment in the first issue when I, I've written, written the scene out and she's talking to one of her close friends and they stand up and they hug. And that just happened as I was writing. I'm like, okay, I didn't realize it, but apparently she's a hugger. Well, in the next issue, in the next issue, she hugs somebody else. And it was a complete surprise to me when she did it then too. It's, uh, it was really a lot of fun working on that with Gene because he's such a clear storyteller. And that, I mean, that, you know, how, does she, how does she survive being hunted? And what does that mean for someone who posits herself as an outsider and yet has kind of built this large family around her? It's, it, was, it was a lot of fun to kind of attack that. And along with Diary of Night, uh, you've also contributed a couple stories to the anthology series Always Punch Nazis. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I am this man. Okay, I have English degrees, so this may shock a lot of people, but I'm probably a little bit of a leftist. Uh, you know, I know it's shocking, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I missed out on the first one and then was able to contact uh, Ben, uh, the editor of the book, and uh Originally, I was going to do the story with, uh, or do a story, but I hadn't really written it out yet. I was going to do it with uh, uh, an artist that I know, Shadia Amin, and she was busy, but she recommended a friend of hers, uh, Robin Davis. So Robin and I got together and we kind of you know, decided on what we wanted to do. It's a little five-page story. And working with Robin was great. Uh, I think I lettered that story too. So if, there's, if somebody complains about the lettering, it's my fault, okay? <laughs> but... Um, Robin did an amazing job. We basically had this uh, little little story where a teacher, uh, she's talking to kids about, about fascism, about the paradox of tolerance, which is if you allow any and all speech, pretty soon you won't have any speech, you know, because you can't, you should not protect hate speech. And we contrasted that with Miss Smith, the teacher, basically going out and punching some Nazis and rescuing some kids in cages, which is somewhat topical at the time. <laughs> uh, and I was, it was a lot of fun. I love the story. And uh, Ben and, and well, Ben contacted Robin and I and said, Hey, uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback specifically on that story. They really, really liked it. So will you guys come back and do always punch Nazis three. And we were like, uh, sure. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So we did another little story together with Miss Smith again. Uh, this one, this story took a little different. It's of course still about, you know, fascism and, you know, recognizing it and how we combat it. And I think it turned out really well. I'm, I'm still waiting to hear some feedback. Uh, I think that volume three shipped maybe about a month ago. So I haven't heard uh, much feedback yet on the story, but, but Robin did an amazing job on the art. Um, it was a, uh, a really fun experience uh, working with uh, with Ben on that. The, the anthology is is great. I mean, there's a little backstory. The first uh, first volume of the anthology is kind of what initially led to the uh, the establishment of the union at Kickstarter. Uh, you know, the first tech union ever, which was 
kind of a big deal. It's uh, pretty interesting. If you just Google Kickstarter, always punch Nazis, you can find out that it kind of became a target for the right wing crazies and caused Kickstarter to have some serious internal discussions, which eventually led to them, you know, forming a union there. Yeah, and actually, just from uh, you sending over your credits there a little while ago, uh, it was actually I knew about the first one. And I knew they did a sequel. I didn't know they did a third one. Yeah, it hasn't been out very long. Uh, it was, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a great, all the anthology, you know, all three volumes are really great, but it was a lot of fun working on two and three. I'm, I'm proud of what, what Robin and I did and proud to be associated with Ben and the Always Punts Nazis anthologies. It was it's a great experience. And actually, uh, I think coming out soon, because I'm thinking about work that I've finished, it's really weird because I can do something, it'll, it'll be in a certain place for a year and then suddenly it'll come out like, you know, 18 months later or something. It's, it's kind of weird. But uh, I just finished a story with uh, a 10 page story with uh, John Edgingfield. And that anthology, I think, is going to debut on Kickstarter like in February. Reverie is a short 10 page romance story that I did. Oh, this must have been three years ago. And I ended up uh, connecting with Shadia. And we had various scheduling weirdness crop up. But uh, she finished the story and we just uploaded it to Gumroad. And it's it's a story that we're both, I think, really proud of. And all the proceeds from it are going to get donated to a uh, charity. It's fun to see these things that start out, you know, as just some, you know, brainwaves up here in the Olnagan put down on paper and then get translated by an artist. You know, again, it's that collaboration. I just, that's so much fun because they're, you know, working with Shadia, working with Robin, working with John, uh, working with uh, Pablo on Crossover Division. It's so amazing what artists bring to the table that I, as a writer, would never even consider. And I, I talk about this in my newsletter, probably enough to bore a lot of people, but art emails are the best emails in the world. You know, <laughs> pop open my computer. I look, I've got an email and there's a, there's art in it. And it's, it's just so awesome. I love it. As much as we love your previous work, Diary of Night, Always Punch Nazis, Reverie. Uh, let's get to the reason that you're here. Um, obviously, that's your latest work, Crossover Division. Crossover Division is live on Kickstarter through December 11th. Uh, let's talk about it. Okay. It's uh, something I've been working on for a long time. Um, I think the first script... The first draft of the script for Crossover Division Number 1 was maybe four years ago that uh, I was working on it in the Comics Experience Creators uh, Workshop, and it got some pretty good feedback. Um, funny story. Uh, tell you about, I'll, I'll, let me tell you about a little freakout I had not too long ago. So I've been talking about uh, Crossover Division uh, in my newsletter for probably about a year, uh, maybe a year and a half. It was called originally Crossovers. Uh, so I don't know if you know this, but, uh, a little known creator, uh, Donnie Cates, <laughs> sorry, big name creator just launched a book from image early this month called crossover. And this was announced back probably in, uh, August, it was, I think it was announced in July at Sandy, at, you know, the virtual San Diego con. So I, I'm, I'm prepping my eight page story to send out to my newsletter you know, so they can read it and see how much they like, you know, see, see what their thoughts are on it, things like that. And I get this announcement crossover from image. And I went, wait, my book's called crossovers. Uh, there's too much chance of confusion. You know, an S is the only difference between the, the uh, big published book by image and, you know, and my book. So the great thing about where I am right now in my career 
is that I have lots of other creators that I can I can turn to to just talk about stuff. You know, there's the Comics Launch Group, and I've met lots of creators through Comics Launch that you know I still keep in touch with. So uh, luckily, a few of them talked to me back. You know, like don't freak out. You know, it's okay. It's going to be all right. And uh, we settled on the name Crossover Division because that's and it actually in the long run is probably a better title for the book anyway. But man, that was a rough few days me of me figuring that out the hard way. <laughs> but uh, Crossover Division is at its core, it's about truth. The high level pitch for it is when uh, stories threaten to invade reality, only a, a research librarian and an English professor have the smarts to stop them and uh, save the world from an unhappy ending. There are lies that have creeped into reality that we accept as truth. And I like to use one of them. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in, actually in economics and uh, trickle-down economics has totally been a thing for like 40 years, right? Well, but it's totally made up. There is no science backing it up. There's no data backing it up. And yet it's accepted as a truth. And that, it, that lie affects reality on a grand scale. So that made me start thinking, well, what if I can use that? Truth matters. How do we use stories? How do we use fiction, which is a lie, to tell potentially deeper truths? And that kind of started swirling around, you know, this concept of these people, this group, this organization, crossover division exists to keep things like that from happening. In our first, in our preview story, an eight page story, which you can download off of the, the Kickstarter page, it's called No Place Like Home. The Wizard of Oz breaks in. Uh, in a small town in Kansas, oddly enough, right? In Kansas. And uh, Hank and Hector, our, our main characters, have to figure out how to repulse it. And it's the, I think this is kind of neat. Uh, the other thing about you know, reality is that reality is kind of described by symbols. Uh, so each crossover agent has a tattoo on the back of their left hand of the world triad symbol, which represents their world. It offers them limited protection when a crossover happens. Because when a crossover happens, the people that are inside the crossover think everything's normal. Yeah, there should be flying monkeys. That's totally normal. That castle, yeah, that's always been there. The tattoo protects them so that they know that, hey, yes, that's a story. And then they have to figure out what story it is. Once they figured out what story it is, the way they end a crossover is by finding the person who's dreaming that bridge. We call it the dreamer or the nexus. Uh, they make they're they're the ones that are creating the bridge between the realities. And they simply read the last line of the the work that's crossing over to that kind of sleeping person, and that ends the crossover and wakes them up. The last line of of War of the uh, Wizard of Oz for our eight page story worked really really well. And that's the other thing that I try to do is look at the themes of the work that that we're crossing over with and try to replicate and not just replicate but also you know question and interact with those themes and see, are they, you know, what, what's, what's cool about this work? What's not so cool about this work? But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun playing with those stories. Uh, issue two, which is already written, still needs some, some editing from Hassan, um, we'll deal with Dracula and we focus on the brides of Dracula. So it's, we're, I'm in this for the long haul. I think the, the rest of the creative team is as well. It's, it's something that I think creators have demonstrated on Kickstarter that you can serialize long form works. I mean, look at uh, Miskatonic High is I think on issue nine right now that they've kickstarted, you know, I think all of those issues. Uh, you look at Kevin Joseph and Tart, Tart's up to, you know, Kickstarter running right now for issues 11 and 12. It's 
pretty amazing. Kickstarter has given us the ability to to really make comics. It's it's pretty awesome. Will, I wanted you to take us back to uh, this idea for crossover division and bounce it around in your mind. And uh, you had gotten the script written. How did you find your art team? Uh, through a very long and painful process. <laughs> um, I I had initially made some, I modeled what worked. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Charlie Stickney uh, of uh, White Ash, the game. Uh, I think he also wrote The Adept. But he basically put a post out on Reddit and he attracted uh, Connor Hughes. And Connor Hughes is amazing. <laughs> if you just look at the art on White Ash, Connor actually did one of our covers for uh, Crossover Division number one, which is phenomenal. But uh, so I, I tried that. I put a post out on Reddit and I got a little bit of response. And but it and the artists that were, you know were, the artists that were I was, I was getting some responses from were really good, but they didn't quite fit what I had in in my head of what the series should look like. Uh, and that's not their fault. That's that's my fault. Then I, uh, I spend a bit of time on Twitter. So I said, hey, all right, let's try Twitter. I put the call out on Twitter and got actually uh, retweeted quite a bit and a lot of response from artists. And then I started going through it and what does the art look like, you know, and, and all those things. And that took me a while. And then basically started narrowing it down to, to Pablo, talked to Pablo and, and he was excited about the project. That was something else that uh, that really made a difference. He was excited. He wanted to be a part of it. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is awesome. Uh, so with Pablo on board, I knew an excellent letterer, uh, Brant Fowler, part of the Commons Launch Group. He does Last Ember. I said, Brant, if you have the time, because I think Brant's like actually two people or three people because of all the work that he gets done. He's like the hardest working guy in comics. But I said, if he had time and he wanted to, you know, be a part of the team, I'd love to have him. He said, sure. So that got me my artist, my letterer designer. At that point, I went out uh, again. Twitter was helpful, but also other contacts I had made. I was I was looking for an editor. The first one or two didn't work out, probably because of uh, scheduling issues. And I found uh, Jim Gibbons, who's a former editor at Dark Horse, um, and we worked probably for a few months on the pitch for Crossover Division, and then uh, the script for the eight-page story. And by this time, the rest of the team had come together. So, you know, Pablo's drawing pages. We're looking at them in the thumbnail phase. Brant's looking at them. Jim's looking at them. I'm looking at them. And it's a real amazing collaboration because uh, Pablo is just such a phenomenal artist. And he's also really open to suggestions, which I hope I, hope I am too. Uh, that's one of the things that I really like working with all of the guys that we work with because it's not about our egos. It's about making the work the best that we can make it. But uh, so, yeah, uh, Twitter was really extremely helpful in not only finding the artist, but also finding, you know, finding Pablo, but finding, finding Jim. And then once Jim had to, to kind of back out because of some other scheduling difficulties, again, it was reaching out to other creators that I know and uh, Hassan was available and Hassan is just phenomenal as well. I mean, I can't say this enough. On our team, we have an Eisner Award winner, Hassan. An Eisner Award winner is editing this book. So take that. Ha. <laughs> it was a really long process. And sometimes it was it was a little discouraging just because, you know, I I don't know that I'm the best case to model for, you know, finding artists. Um, Charlie Stickney 
is like the grandmaster. I'm not, I, I bow down. I'm not worthy. He finds so many artists. Pat Shand is another guy that works with some phenomenal artists. Uh, and it may just be something that uh, hopefully I'll get better at as you know time goes on and I do other projects. I think it's a real struggle for a lot of writers and I, I understand it, but I got extremely lucky, extremely lucky uh, finding, finding my team because it's an awesome team. What else are you excited about with crossover division and this launch? Oh, finally ho- holding it in my hands. And I'm you, as a creator, you know this, uh, you know, starting with something in your brain and shepherding it through all of the stages of creation until, you know, you hold the book in your hand or you hold, in this case, my little uh, crossover division minifigures in your hand. This is something that was just in my brain that is now a real thing. It's awesome. <laughs> I just, and the comic, I, I can't wait to hold the comic in my hand. Don't get me wrong. I love digital comics allow me to read so much more than I possibly have room for. But there's something to be said for taking, you know, and holding a comic. You know, I don't know. There's no, it's, there's no other feeling like it. I'm excited for people to read it too. I mean, it's, it's one thing to sit and create and even create for other creators, you know, as part of the creative team, but it's, it's different when, you know, you have a reader come up to you and say, you know, gosh, I love this. You know, you're like, wow, that's the greatest thing anybody has ever said, you know, (laughs) because you love something that I created. It's, it's just an amazing feeling. And I can't wait to get, you know, get this book out there and, and get the series rolling. Really. I mean, my plan is (laughs) long-term is to serialize, uh, a lot of issues of crossover division. The story that I have that I want to tell is about 20 issues, honestly. Uh, Those are gonna be probably done in four issue chunks, you know, kind of a trade, you know, four issues, trade, four issues, trade, four issues, trade, as we move forward. But that's, that's my goal. And I know it's probably a crazy goal, but I can't get there until I get the first one done. And that's what I'm, you know, really excited about right now is we have this first issue very nearly finished. I'm getting art from Pablo. In fact, I got an art email from Pablo today, which was really amazing. And those never get old. They really don't. Yeah, it's just, it's so exciting to collaborate with with other creators. Will, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Really probably finding artists. Well, there's, there's two. Finding artists and funding a comic are pretty big challenges. Finding the right artist is a whole series of challenges in and of itself. But then once you have a really great artist, they need to be paid a living wage, you know, for their work, often their spectacular work. And, you know, paid rate artists aren't cheap and, and they shouldn't be because they do a lot of the creative heavy lifting, you know, on a comic. But that said, you know, find, you know, saving up the money so that you can pay an artist create a comic is is often you know kind of a bit of a struggle uh, which is you know one of the great things about kickstarter is there's a sustainability model there you can create and fund you know what it took to make that and then potentially you know even fund a little forward that you're starting to make it a, a truly sustainable thing and it's still a struggle but so far we're making it work what do you feel has been your biggest mistake honestly I wish I'd have gotten started sooner. I feel like I missed out on a lot of time that I could have been creating comics that I was, well, you know, doing other things. Um, 
comics are extremely important to me, but also, you know, I have a family. Raising my sons is kind of a big deal that I don't want to miss. <laughs> but I wish I would have at least put a little energy toward comics earlier than, you know, when I started kind of putting more energy towards them, you know, several years ago. It's, I feel like I could have accomplished more, you know, gotten more stories out there and things like that. But, you know, you can't necessarily cry over spilled milk. So I can do what I can do. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. What has been your best moment? Uh, best moment in comics. Um, well, I hope that's still to come, but uh, I really, really loved holding the hardcover of Diary of Night in my hand and the trade as well. But the hardcover was something that I had always seen in my mind as happening. And it, it did. Well, and, and that's the thing about Kickstarter is sometimes I'm a slow learner. Uh, the, the first Kickstarter for Diary of Night Volume 1 failed. Uh, and I realized that there was so much that I didn't know that I, I went and found out things, especially from uh, Tyler James of Comics Launch. Uh, I relaunched Diary of Night Volume 1, I think about a year later, and it funded. So I've got, I, I was then able to hold that hardcover in my hand. And that was just so, so awesome a feeling. Um, I, I hope that uh, these moments are kind of, uh, you know, building as, you know, hey, I crossover division number one in my hand is going to be awesome. Two, three, four, the trade, the hardcovers, you know, all, all the story finishing is, is going to be great. But it's, yeah, I would say that was a really great moment. Holding that finished book in my hand, it's... Uh, it's strange how, you know, we think something, wouldn't it be cool if I did a, you know, trade paperback and a hardcover of these four issues of comics? And then by force of will, no pun intended, you know, we as creators, we make that thing happen. Even though there's, you know, a thousand times that we could just stop and say, you know, maybe it's not going to happen. We just keep going and, and we make it happen. And I think that takes a special kind of crazy. So I'm probably a special kind of crazy as well as several other kinds of crazy. Starting out or through the course of your comics career, what was the best advice that you received? It was probably from uh, artist Gene Gonzalez. We were working on Diary of Night, probably issue three or four, and we were sharing it with some friends and we got some feedback. And I'm like, okay, I'll go change it. And he's like, whoa, hang on, read the feedback, understand it, and then decide if you think it's it's worth changing because all feedback is not necessarily created equal, which really made me sit back and think, you know, okay, is that feedback because that's the way this person would have written it? Or is that feedback because it's, you know, making what I wrote better. And I thought that was just amazing advice that of course, Gene is an amazing artist and storyteller. So it, I, I should have been surprised, but it was really, really good advice. And it's kind of helped me kind of navigate the waters of criticism a little bit because, you know, it, it is hard. You know, you know, you pour yourself, your heart and your soul into something and it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But then weathering, you know, it takes a little bit of a thick skin, but also not a thick skin to, to appreciate the comments, but then also, you know, keep the keep them you know, away from discouraging you too. So, yeah, I think that was probably some of the best advice I got. To use two extreme examples, there is a huge difference between these two critiques. This book sucks, and I think the plot would work better if you did X instead of Y. Absolutely. And this is something that I've tried to internalize. I think that we can find you know, redeeming qualities or something good in almost everything, except Nazis, of course. But that doesn't mean everything, you know, something is perfect or something can't be improved. And it's, you know, it's this weird kind of, 
line that we walk in that, yes, we're doing the best we can. And yes, we want to make it better, but we also have to be open to the fact that it's not better yet. It's a hard path to walk. I hope that I don't ever say, you know, about anything, this book sucks because it's, it's a waste of breath. It doesn't help the creator. In fact, it's just insulting and it denigrates the hard work that they put into it. And, you know, even if something is not professional level, which I'm sure, you know, work that I've done, it's not been, you know, always the professional level. There are still good things in the work. There's the fact that the work was done, which is why I think I've tried to internalize, you know, looking for the positive and whatever, you know, whatever I'm reading. Um, And, you know, something can still be, something can be technically brilliant and just not resonate with me. You know, not all work is for me and, you know, works that, you know, maybe I just, they don't resonate with me are still brilliant, but they don't resonate with me. So I'm not, you know, they're still good, but they probably weren't meant for me and they don't, you know, really fire my imagination. So I think that there's a lot of problem with sometimes critics not liking something because they don't like it versus them not liking it because it's not good. And that's not to say there's not a lot of bad, you know, less than great stuff out there, but, uh, I think it's important to try to find, you know, the positive aspects of something. And that's what good critical analysis of a work does. It looks for what works. It looks for what doesn't work. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I fall is that uh, I hope I don't ever say this sucks. Thank you so much for listening to the Under the Mask podcast. Will, thank you again for coming on and talking with me today. Everyone, Crossover Division is live on Kickstarter right now. It's live through December 11th. You can find it by visiting crossoverdivision.com slash KS. Will, where else can we find you online? Oh, I am in all the usual usual places. Uh, you can find me at W-A-L-L-R-E-D. That's at the word wall in the color red. Uh, on At Gmail, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, probably on Instagram, although I don't know that I ever really post anything there. Um, and I also do a podcast called uh, the Quantum Zone Podcast, where we talk about all things uh, Quasar, which is probably one of my favorite characters from Marvel. So uh, that's a lot of good, fun comic book geekery right there. And... You can always find stuff out about me at willallred.com or uh, go to crossoverdivision.com or diaryofnight.com. I do a weekly uh, newsletter called uh, The Midnight Hour, and there are subscribe links on all of the the websites of mine, so you can get there to that. But uh, I usually share comics, uh, and it comes out because I'm a a notorious night owl. Uh, We'll be sure to leave all those links in the show notes and description below. Will, thank you again so much for coming on and talking with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask Podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you've found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.